Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. One of the best things I did when I was stationed in Hawaii was learn to sail. My only regret is that in the five years that I was in Hawaii, I waited until my last year to learn how to do it. But uh, uh, we took lessons at uh, uh, out of Barber's Point. Uh, the the Air Force had a had a great little sailing club out there, and uh, we learned to sail on uh, 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 roads uh, roads nineteen. Uh, 19 foot roads or in a, t- a 20 foot, uh, uh, Cal 20s. And, and we had a great time. And, and, and I remember my instructor telling me that, uh, there was no way that I was going to be able to tip that boat over. He said, he said, the winds, the winds that it would take for you to tip this boat over would be so strong that you as a as a novice sailor would have no business being out in that water. So don't worry about that. And 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 I I took that as gospel. And so for for me, I know that you're not go, you're, you're not going as fast uh uh but for me there was nothing more thrilling than uh, uh having a sail full of wind uh and the lee rail under so you're, the, 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 the wind is, is, is blowing the, the, the boat over and that lee rail, uh, is underwater. And then it's just thrilling. Uh, and had a great time with that. But the wind wasn't the only thing that you had to take into account while you were sailing. The other thing that you had to take into account was the currents. And the currents, are always at work, even when there is no wind. There, when there is no wind, there is still currents, and those currents are are moving that boat, whether you like it or not. In fact, the challenge is that the the less speed that you have, the greater the influence of the current on the boat, and that's not true just in sailing. That's true with any vessel that is out on the water. Think about this for a minute. One knot of current is equal to 30 knots of wind. One knot of current is equal to 30 knots of wind. 64 knots of wind is a Category 1 hurricane. And normally, you're, th- you're thinking that normally the ocean has, is running at about four to five knots. That's a lot of power and that's a lot of force. And you're sitting there thinking right now, so what? What does this have to do with our faith? What does this have to do with our trek through the book of Hebrews? It has everything to do with our trek through the book of Hebrews, and everything to do with our faith. Because just like there are currents in the water, there are currents in our culture. And we need to pay attention to the current events. Huh? See what I did there? If you have your Bibles, I would ask you to open them to the second chapter of the book of Hebrews. If you were here in the sanctuary, I'd tell you that it's in the Pew Bible on page 968. 
as we move into this second chapter, we need to remember what we learned from the first chapter as the writer of Hebrews is stressing upon us the importance of recognizing that Jesus Christ is Lord. There was this, uh, there was this weird theology that had developed uh, in the first century among the Jews, recognizing and, and understanding the transcendence of God, that God is so wholly other that He was totally unapproachable. And so they developed this, this theology that it was the angels uh, that intervened, that, 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 uh, that, that took uh, uh, the words from God, and indeed angels uh, are messengers from God. They bring God's word to us. But there was also this understanding that the, that the angels would carry our words back up, up to God. And the, and the writer of Hebrews wants to dispel that. He wants them to understand that Jesus Christ is God and that through Jesus Christ, we now have direct access. Direct access. We don't need intermediaries of any kind that Jesus reigns, that he is greater than the prophets, he was greater than, uh, uh, than, the, than the written word, he is that written word, become flesh, dwelt among us, showing us the face of God, teaching us how to live according to God's moral principles, measuring that with grace and mercy, he goes to the cross to take care of the issue of sin so that we can be pronounced righteous before God's court. He's raised from the dead, and that power of, of, of being raised from the dead is at work within us through the Holy Spirit, transforming us into the image of Jesus Christ. He ascended into the heavens where He reigns. He rules. He's in charge. He's the man. He's, he's holding all things together by the power of his word. So what? Listen to what the author of Hebrews says in this second chapter. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. We need to pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. And what are the things that will cause us to drift away from this church or from this truth, if not for the currents of our culture? And we recognize that there is a battle within this culture. Things are changing. They're changing. Some people are rejoicing. Some people are mourning. But the, the nation that we live in is not the nation that was founded in the beginning, in, in 1776. Again, John Adams made the statement that our Constitution is for a religious and moral people and is wholly inadequate to govern any other kind. The law in our nation has become an end in and of itself to pursue and to promote other agenda that sometimes are counter to what we believe as Christians. Now, does that mean that we should stomp our feet and cry foul? No, I don't think that it means we should do that at all. I think it means that we need to understand what we believe and live it out in practice every single day. And what we believe is that Jesus is Lord. 
And that as Lord, He is sovereign over all things and that He holds all things together. He sustains all things with the power of His Word. And He reigns. And if we don't have that as the cornerstone of our faith, we will drift. And when we drift, we miss what God has for us. He goes on, the the author goes on, For if the message spoken by the angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who had heard Him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. It's not enough just to believe that God is sovereign. We need to act on it. We need to act on it so that we don't drift. For if the message spoken by the angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we, neg- if we ignore such a great salvation? And what is this salvation? The salvation is a saving grace from our own destructive behaviors. When we operate, when we seek to operate outside of God's moral law, we are are in the destruction zone. God gave us the parameters within which we will thrive. And if we step outside of that, we will suffer the consequences. Our actions have consequences. That's the price of being significant. And in the Old Testament, there, the, 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 the laws were set up and there was punishment that was meted out in when those laws were violated. And the whole sacrificial system was set up so that we might recognize that sin has consequences. Jesus comes along and he deals with that once and, once and for all, once and forever. He saves us from our sinful, uh, our sinful nature and we are pronounced righteous in God's court. That doesn't mean that we are sinless, but it means we begin a journey where we sin less. God takes sin very seriously. In, in, in our nation, in our day, we don't. We, you know what? And, and, and I, I get it. I understand it. We want to be kind. We want to be nice. We want to, we want to affirm people. We want to say that you are loved. And you know what? There is a sense in which we do affirm that people are loved. God's, God so loved the world. He, he does. He loves every, every, the whole cosmos. But there is a special place in God's heart for humanity because God has created us in His image. We are all image bearers of God. That's different than all being children of God. Not all are children of God, but all are image bearers of God. And we need to afford each image bearer the respect and the dignity of being image bearers regardless of the choices that they make. But that doesn't mean that we endorse and we celebrate those choices. 
And we are moving into a time in our nation where tolerance is will not be tolerated. Because to say that you tolerate something is to mean that you fundamentally disagree with that. And, and the currents are carrying us further and further away from our faith. How do we... If the message spoken by the angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? If we drift away from it? What, 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 is, the, what is the author trying to tell us there? We need to hold on. We need to pay attention to the salvation that is ours. We need to enter into that relationship recognizing what God has given us that transcends the covenant that was given in the Old Testament. The Old Testament was a book of laws, and if you failed to adhere to those laws, there was due punishment. We have been given a New Testament, which is more than just a book. It is a relationship, and God wants us to engage with Him on that level. If we fail to do that, do we truly understand what our salvation is? Or do we think it's just another book? Another set of codes, another uh, another set of obligations. Oh, it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. God has invited us into the essence of the Trinity to participate in His kingdom here and now, here on earth. And the author of Hebrews doesn't want us to miss that by any stretch of the imagination. This salvation which was first announced by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. I've, I've, I've looked at this and I've argued against a Paul authorship of Hebrews. I don't believe that Paul would ever claim to be a first-generation Christian, even though he didn't interact with Jesus during his earthly ministry. When he was on that road to Damascus, he encountered Jesus Christ. And then he spent some time in the back 40 uh, just studying the scriptures and praying. And I, I, I think that there was some intimacy that was going on between Paul and Jesus at that point. The author of Hebrews claims to be a second generation Christian. This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard the Lord. As I thought about this this week... And I've said for uh, for a long time, God has no grandchildren. God has no grandchildren, only children. What generation of Christian are you? The reality is we came to follow Jesus because of the testimony of somebody else. They came to follow Jesus because of the testimony of somebody else. Each new generation of Christians starts out as a second-generation Christian. I heard from someone who knew the Lord. So after I hear from a person who is in a relationship with the Lord, I start out as a second-generation Christian. But as I grow and really understand what God has for me, I become a first-generation Christian. Because there is nobody between me and God. I have the opportunity to spend time and get to know Jesus. Not just know about Him, 
but actually get to know him, spend time with him. And we spend time with the Lord when we spend time in prayer, when we spend time in the word, when we think deeply about the precepts that God has laid out for us. Do you have a question? Bring it to the Lord and then study his word and pray. Sometimes I have found that the answers to questions have come to me through the word as I'm reading it. But other times I find that the answers to my questions just just come to me. Now, I'm not that smart, but Jesus is. Jesus is the smartest guy in the room all the time. And he knows more about life than just theology and philosophy. Jesus understands engineering principles that we have yet to comprehend. And I think of that, that, that staircase at the Loretta Chapel in, uh, in New Mexico. It's, uh, there's no center support. It's, it's two 360 degree turns from top to bottom. The scientists have looked at it. They've investigated it. They've fed the design into computers. It should not stand. It should collapse as soon as the first person puts a foot on it. And that was a, a, a staircase that was built in, in the 1800s. And we don't understand the, 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 the physics or the mechanics behind it. But you know who does? Jesus does. Cause he's the smartest guy in the room. He knows, he knows biology. He knows engineering. He knows law. He knows construction. He knows everything because he is the Lord of all creation. I, I think we, we, we sell Jesus short when prayer is our last resort. Hey, that rhymed. We sell Jesus short when prayer is our last resort. Take it to the Lord and expect the Lord to answer. Now, here's the deal. He may not answer you right away. We have a, 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 a scripture where, where prayer is answered or petitions are granted because of persistence. God wants to know that we're serious about this. And, and, and we can't manipulate God. Just because we ask. Sometimes when we ask, God says no. But sometimes he says yes, and sometimes he says not yet. But it's being patient on our part to continue to pursue the relationship and allow God, through the Holy Spirit, to speak into our lives. And when that happens, guess what? We become first-generation Christians. And it is our testimony to those who do not yet believe when they see what? When they see the transformation in our lives becoming something that we weren't once before, that they begin to think, hmm, maybe there's something to this. This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, confirmed to those, to us by those who heard Him, God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles. Signs, wonders, and various miracles. Jesus said that there, that you will do all the things that I do and greater things, greater things than I have done. And we do them through the power of the Holy Spirit. When was the last time that you saw a sign, a wonder, or a miracle in your life? I see one every time I look at a newborn baby. Oh, my goodness. I think the fact that the sun comes up every day is a miracle. The fact that I can see the beauty of this world is, is a sign and a wonder. 
There are so many signs, wonders, and miracles floating around in front of us that we miss 90% of them. We think sign wonders and miracles and we want, we want fireworks and, and smoke, you know, and, and, you know, we, we want the spectacular. And you know, sometimes we get the spectacular, but it's not always the spectacular that is the most awe inspiring. I love the, 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 the book by Brother Yoon, The Heavenly Man, uh, which I found my copy. So if anybody's interested in reading it, I, I'm more than happy to loan it to them. Uh, uh, the Heavenly Man by Brother Yoon is a story about the underground church in China. And when the West was finally able to, uh, uh, to get in there, uh, you know, they sent money and then the doors were open and they were able to go and they, and they visited. The, the Christians from the West were totally amazed at what was going on in the underground church in China. The miracles, the signs, the wonders. One, one, one observer said, this is stuff right out of the book of Acts. Why aren't we seeing this in the West? And the Chinese believers said, well, no disrespect, but, uh, uh, but, in, but here in China, uh, the church, we live by faith. In, in America, you, you guys have insurance on everything. Do we really live by faith? Well, yes and no, but we hedge our bets. And, and part of that is being good citizens and so on and so forth. But I think if we really understand and, and spend the time cultivating the relationship with Jesus that, that is available to us, that we would see and recognize more of the signs, wonders, and miracles that are occurring right before our very eyes. And I think the most dramatic miracle that could ever be seen by anybody is a transformed life. Somebody who has come to know Jesus and their life is transformed by the gospel. And that's what we preach. We preach a gospel of transformation that God desires. He loves us. He loves us wherever he finds us. He loves us, but he loves us too much to leave us there. God has an agenda for me. He's got an agenda for you. He's got an agenda for each and every one of us. We need to remember that God's agenda for somebody is not necessarily our agenda for that person. So what's our responsibility with someone with whom we disagree or someone with whom we think is, 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 is making poor choices? Our responsibility is to pray for them and love them and encourage them to get into a deeper relationship with Jesus. Because if there's going to be a transformation in their lives, it's going to be because of who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing in their life. Not because of what I'm doing in their life, not because of what you're doing in their life, but because of what Jesus is doing in their life. God testified and continues to testify to this great salvation that is ours through signs, wonders, and various miracles and the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, not the fruit of the Holy Spirit, but the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit, we read in Galatians, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are, those are attributes, those are fruit, 
if you will, that we should all cultivate in our lives. That, to me, is the example of a, of a transformed life. Am I seeing more fruit in my life? Am I seeing, am I becoming a more patient person? Am I becoming a more self-controlled person? Am I becoming a more joyful person? Am I becoming a more patient person, a more loving person? Those are the, those are the things that mark and identify us as, as followers of Jesus Christ. Now, and that's not to say that, that there aren't people out there who are joyful, patient, and, and have self-control who are not in a relationship with Jesus. I'm not saying that. We, 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 we don't have a corner on these attributes. But what we do have a corner on is the power of the Holy Spirit to make those attributes flourish in our lives. But that's not what the author of Hebrews is talking about here. Not talking about the fruit of the Spirit, but the gifts of the Holy Spirit. How do gifts differ from fruit? While we all share a common fruit, each of us have different gifts according to our abilities and who God has created us to be. Some have gifts of hospitality. Some have gifts of generosity. Some have gifts of teaching. Some have gifts of mercy and compassion. Some have gifts of preaching. Some have gifts of knowledge. Some have gifts of administration. If you want to know what the gifts of the Spirit are, there's lists of them in uh, in the 12th chapter of of Romans and also in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians. There's also an assessment that you can take that we have. On, do we still have it on our, our church website? It's, it, it's not on the homepage, but it is available. So if you're interested in, in finding out, and you may know what your, what your spiritual gift is. And again, you've heard me say this before. What is, what is my definition of a perfect church? My definition of a perfect church is one in which every single member knows what his or her spiritual gift is, and they are actively engaged in using that gift and cultivating it. Whatever that gift may be. We have different gifts. Just like we have different talents. We've got different, and that's the image that Paul gives us of, of the body. We have one body, but the body is made up of different parts. Hands, nose, ears, feet. They're all different, but they make one body. The gifts of the Spirit are like that. We have different gifts so that we can be a whole and healthy body. And God has given us those gifts according to His will. And I love this for the, for the astute reader here. This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, Jesus Christ, confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. We see in these verses the outline of the Holy Trinity of Scripture. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one in the same. Language, by definition, is limited. Language will never be able to totally reflect reality. It is, it's the best that we have. It's the best that we can do. And we're continuing to come up with new words to describe things. Uh, language is evolving. It's helping us to, to articulate and communicate to one another. But language in and of itself is limited. So when we start talking about the Trinity in Scripture, we can get all wrapped around the axle trying to figure out, well, how is it that, that, that Jesus is God and God is Jesus and the Holy Spirit? And when Jesus was praying to his Father, who was he talking to? And when Jesus was here on earth and, and the voice from heaven came down and said, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Ah! 
I mean, it can drive us crazy. But we need to remember that language is limited and God is infinite. And, and, and uh, how hard is it for an infinite God to, to, to locate within an individual the incarnation? And do we think that, that, that the incarnate word of God is the, is the whole and totality of an infinite God? Of course not. God is so much more than that. So how hard is it for God to incarnate in an, in an infinite image and then speak from another locale? God is so much more, so much more powerful than we could possibly imagine. And this God of the universe who knit us together wants to know us, wants to be in a relationship with us, wants to speak words of, of transformation into our lives. We need to pay attention more now than ever before. Because what I see in, in, in some of the things coming down the pike is a cultural drift that is going to push us away. And we can't afford that. The gifts that we have been given in the knowledge of the creator of the universe to know that we are loved, to know that we are forgiven, and not just us. That forgiveness is available to everyone. No one is kept out of God's forgiving grace if they seek it. God is in the heavens. Jesus is in the heavens. And He knows us by name. We need to recognize that, celebrate that, cultivate that relationship. We must, according to the author of Hebrews, we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by the angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how can we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation which was first announced by the Lord, confirmed to us by those who heard Him, God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. Oh, we've just begun in the book of Hebrews. But there are warning signs ahead to keep us close to God, to keep us aware of our environment, to keep us abreast of the currents of our day so that we don't drift away from this faith that is ours. Oh, this is our opportunity to shine for the glory of God. But we cannot do it with a casual faith. We must be intentional to seize the vision, to take the means that God has given to us so that we can live in the kingdom of God each and every day. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. There's a difference between reading a script and watching a movie. There's a difference between reading the Bible and living out your Christian faith. 
as we as we watch a movie or as we watch life or as we watch a play, we see the we see the principles uh, uh, bringing those words to life. And in a way, according to Shakespeare, all the world's a stage. In a way, what we have in the Bible is our script for life. And the people of the, uh, the people of the Old Testament were known as people of the book. And sometimes we're also referred to as people of the book. But I want to be known as people of the life. Let's take the book as a script for life and live it out in relationship with Jesus. That's the difference that we have. That's what this great salvation is all about, an invitation into life with Christ. Let's not miss that. Let's not drift away. Let's celebrate the gifts that God has given to us and together move forward into the kingdom of God each and every day, regardless of the current events that swirl around us.